Blog Talk Radio.
Gentlemen, welcome to the Rifleman Radio Show. I want to thank everyone for listening in tonight. We've got a lot of information that I want to get out. As a matter of fact, it'll just, it's going to be an overview because there is so much information to get out on this subject. We'll do an overview tonight, and then we'll follow it up uh, over the next uh, month or so with uh, shows that are dealing with individual and specific topics uh, covering food, food storage, uh, food preparation and food production. One of the things that uh, the prepared rifleman needs to consider is making sure that there's enough food to sustain himself and his family, uh, including additional food that you can use for uh, extra folks that show up, extra family members or loved ones or, or whoever, in the case of uh, emergency situations. <clears throat> now, uh, one of the things that's going to be that I want to make sure that we understand about this tonight, too, is that uh, while you're thinking about doing this for your emergency situations, I want you to be sure and think about uh, applying the concept of uh, food preparation and food production to your everyday life, because it's a very important uh, part of the Prepared Rifleman's Survival Plan. And we talked about, uh, in the last few weeks, we talked about the different things that the Prepared Rifleman might need to uh, to look at. And 
And you can have everything from the end of the world with comets and zombies and and dinosaurs and, uh, you know, and, and the Walking Dead IRS agents all the way to uh, a one-day freeze or, uh, or anything in between. And one of those things that could happen is uh, you could lose your job, right? And that happens to a lot of folks nowadays. You could lose your job. And if you lost your job, especially if you're a family person, how are you going to feed your family? That's one of the most important things that's going to be on your mind is how will I feed my family? Now, part of your survival plan should be uh, a financial one. So that should start spinning up too. But you should also be looking at stored food as another way that you could feed your family in times of crisis, the crisis being that you lost your job, all right? Uh, I know that it would take a lot of the stress off an individual if they lost their job, but they knew that, look, no matter what else, I'm going to be able to feed my family because I've got food stored. So that's that's one of the ways that I want you to think about food preparation, food production, and food storage, that it's it's uh, being done to to be integrated into your survival plan. But I want you to start thinking about it too as part of uh, as part of a way to supplement uh, the food that you need on an everyday basis. And that's by production, food production. So we're going to be talking about all those things tonight, and uh, like I said, we're going to go covering them more in-depth on some future shows also. Uh, as always, at the beginning of the show, uh, of course, you can call in any time. At the beginning of the show, we like folks to call in uh, and tell their local Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship crews thank you for the job that they're doing. Uh, we we ask a lot of our volunteers. The Appleseed Project, is the sole project of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. And the Revolutionary War Veterans Association is dedicated to teaching the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the United States today. The Appleseed Project is a vehicle uh, that the Revolutionary War Veterans Association uses for this purpose. It's the sole project uh, of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. And it's a nationwide, all-volunteer grassroots organization that is also a nonprofit organization. And all across the nation, every weekend of the year, at a location within a reasonable driving distance of you, there is an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship two-day clinic that is within reasonable driving distance of you, right? Now, when I say reasonable, I'm talking about reasonable. I'm going to compare it to... Uh, the first one I went to, which was about 1,500 miles away. So under 1,500 miles, I consider to be fairly reasonable. And uh, they're going to be a lot closer than that for you. If you want to find out where there, where there is an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship Clinic uh, occurring in the next few weeks or at any time during the year, you can go to rwva.org, Romeo Whiskey Victor Alpha.org or AppleseedInfo.org. And that will take you to the home page. On the home page, you'll see a list of tabs across the top. The second from the left 
says Appleseed. If you put your cursor on it, you'll get a drop-down menu. On the drop-down menu, you can select Schedule. That will take you to a map of the United States. On that map, you can click on the state where you'd like to attend the event. Now, remember, if you don't find what you can, if you're in one of the smaller states, you can click on the border states to you, too. There may be a, an event that's occurring uh, right across the border from you, and it might be closer than one in, even in your own state. So be sure and check on that. Once you get to the uh, the listing of events, they'll be in alphabetical order. They'll go by dates in alphabetical order of the cities. Uh, <clears throat> there is two hot links on each of the links, on each of the, the, uh, the locations. One says info, and that'll give you the information for that specific event on that specific date. You can click on that, and you get the information. You can also get the contact information for the person that's going to be running the event in case you have some additional questions you'd like to ask, like uh, maybe getting a loaner rifle uh, lined up for you, or or if you've never been before, you can uh, contact them to ask them about any uh, any special questions that you have, et cetera, for the upcoming event. And then there's another link that says register. Now, that's so that you can go ahead and pre-register for the event. Now, it'll do two things. One, it's going to help you by making sure you've got a place online. And uh, two, it will help us because we have to send uh, hundreds of folks and thousands of pounds of gear around the nation uh, every month. And the way we do that is by looking at the pre-registration list to determine how many people are going to uh, attend an event at a specific location. And... uh, once we know how many people are going, we'll know how many instructors to send, the hotel rooms, plane tickets, whatever else, and then how much uh, uh, instructional material to send. So make sure that uh, once you've gone to the home page and you look at the schedule, go ahead and click on the register link and get pre-registered, all right? It will also keep you from putting it off. Once you get on there, dig in. Dig in, set your spurs in, and dig in to attend it. Don't just think about attending it. Most of us are walking around in our lives dragging a great big Superman cape that has on it all of the things that uh, that we're going to do someday, right? Someday we're going to do such and such. Someday we're going to do this. We're just dragging that around. Don't put this on that. Go ahead and hit the register button. Get pre-registered for it and make this a thing that happens. Uh, I wrote a a post. I don't remember if it was this morning or last night, I think, on uh, on one of David Cadrea's uh, articles. And there was a guy that was talking about – they were talking about the, the Connecticut uh, gun laws that were going into effect and – and they were trying to to figure out things that they could do. And one of the things that uh, somebody had suggested <clears throat> was to send the application for the permit back with one of the uh, with one of the come and take it stickers stuck on it instead of filling it out. And uh, one of the guys on there kind of freaked out and said, "Well, I'm, what are you telling me to break the law? You know, I've got, I've got to pay taxes. I've got to, you know, you're trying to tell me to not pay my taxes or drive my car around." without getting registered, and on and on. And I was missing the whole point of it. And I wrote kind of a lengthy 
post out on this because what I was trying to tell them is that nobody's asking anyone to break a law. What we are asking folks to do, what I'm asking you to do every week here, is to do something, to do something, because I myself for so long did nothing. I sat there and stared at the TV fuming. Or I banged on it or I yelled. My wife and I would sometimes get into arguments because she was, because she was uh, unhappy. She was unhappy at, at seeing how unhappy I was. She said it was unhealthy. And she was right. It was unhealthy because I felt so powerless. I felt like I couldn't do anything. All I could do was yell at the TV and just fume and steam, and I was doing nothing. I was being worthless. Yelling at the TV, yelling out the window, arguing with your wife or your kids because of things that are going on in this nation it's the, it's the epitome of worthlessness. So what did I do? Well, I tried a lot of different things, but one of the things that I settled on was becoming a, a member of the Appleseed Project, and that that led to me being a staff member and then a board member uh, back in, well, at the beginning of 2006. <clears throat> And then going to an apple seed and and becoming an instructor. Now, from there, I've, I've, I'm still an instructor. I'm still a master instructor with the Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship Program. I still instruct uh, once a month uh, at a minimum. And then I do, on top of that, I'll do uh, uh, quite a few during the year speaking engagements and uh Things like the self-reliance expos and gun shows and uh, 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 library seeds, things like that. But I also do other things now, too. I write my congressmen. I call my senators. Uh, I write out my thoughts, uh, and I post them on blogs. Uh, I push for other people to get involved but it started with Appleseed. So my point to the gentleman was that sitting there and and being afraid and being angry is not doing something. Everybody's going to have to do something. Now, you can pick what it will be for you. You and me not be apple seed. There may be something else that you'd rather do. Uh, maybe if you sat down and thought about it for 10 minutes, you might come up with something really good that you could do. And it would probably be really simple and efficient, okay? But you got to sit down and think about it. you got to get started. Somehow, some way, you've got to do something, and you've got to start now doing it. Uh, I wrote in there that that one of the I would call it the the whole problem that we have uh, can be traced back to to the saying uh, that all evil needs to triumph is for good men to do nothing, and for too long 
That is what's happened in this nation. Good men, good women have done nothing. We thought to ourselves, and we may have mentioned it to each other in passing, that there is problems. And we wish that something would be done about it. And then we've sat there and we've we've watched as bills have gone before our uh, before our house and Senate, and we've said certainly, certainly this will not pass because it's unconstitutional, it's illegal, it's immoral, it's unethical, and it's just plain wrong. And then when they have passed. When you have things like the McCain-Feingold Act that passes that limit political speech, then then we good people, we sit there amazed and mystified with our jaws dropped, and we say, how? How could this happen? How did this happen? What has been done to us? And it was us. It was us doing it, us doing it to ourselves because... We did nothing because we sat there and we did nothing. We can't depend on on anyone else to be doing things for us. We can't depend on anyone else to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy by virtue of living in this nation. We must take the responsibility ourselves. We must take the responsibility for doing something. Like I said, you can figure out what it is for you. I'm not going to tell you what you should be doing. You're a grown man or a grown woman. Uh, You shouldn't have to be told. Americans don't need to be told what to do. You've got 300-plus years of history of making things happen of building things, of making things, of achieving success, of setting goals, and then meeting and exceeding those goals. Nobody should have to tell you what you should do. But somebody's going to have to tell you that you've got to do something, okay? You've got to do something. Because without the good men and women doing something, then evil will surely triumph. All right. The uh, call-in number is 347-308-8790. And uh, you guys are welcome to call in at uh, any point during the show. Uh, I want to tell you that... Sam D's wife is still in the hospital. She's still injured, and Sam is there with her tonight. The visiting hours tend to coincide with the show hours, so he won't be able to uh, to answer your call. So if I uh, if I pop open your uh, your line on the switchboard and you don't want to talk, just you can just tell me I'm just listening. Okay, no big deal. Uh, I'll try to make sure that I'm uh, checking the switchboard and getting. Uh, to the callers, okay? But you're welcome to call in at any time during the show to uh, 
either tell you tell your local crew thanks for the job that they're doing because they certainly they're not getting a dime for their work for their commitment and uh but it sure seems good to hear a thank you especially from the local crews of people that that are seeing them doing it all right I know that it feels good because it feels good when people tell me thanks, right? And I like to tell people uh, thank you because because it's the right thing to do. Uh, I want to tell uh, uh, Larry Coonrod thank you because ever since the day that uh, Larry came to the first apple seed. <clears throat> He's been back to almost every single one after that here at the Devilla location. He is always here. If I when whenever I'm here, he's here. Uh he and I are the ones that set the range up, we hang the flags, we put the targets up, uh, and he doesn't leave until the the last bit of kit is stored. So I want to thank Larry. I want to thank uh, some of these other Texas instructors that have been at it uh, for a long time. Paul Seeley in Amarillo. Paul has taken on uh, almost by himself. Now, he's got some crew members that that help him there out, but Paul is a fantastic instructor, uh, Astronaut 3. He's a fantastic instructor. He's one of the most knowledgeable uh, fellows that I knew that I know on uh, uh, shooting information. He's a fantastic shot. And on top of that, he's just one hell of a guy. He's a man to ride the river with, and I consider him to be a a great friend, and I trust him completely. And he's a very valued member of the uh, Texas Appleseed Instructing Corps and uh, a valued member of my personal family. So I want to thank Paul. I'd like to thank uh, Bill Cronk, who uh, shows up just like uh, uh, Larry Coonrad here at the Deville location, uh, raring to go, and he does a fantastic job on uh, the setup, on all of the admin stuff, uh, and then he's a very good instructor. And uh, and if he's at an event that I'm running, then I know the event is going to be well taken care of. So <clears throat> those are the gentlemen that I wanted to thank tonight. There's a lot of other folks. Let me go ahead and get a couple more in because uh, Joe Chambers and uh, Steve Raby run the uh, Copper and Cartridge Club location. That's in the uh, college station. And uh, – they are two uh, dedicated instructors who have been in it for the long haul. There's a lot of folks in Appleseed that come in, and uh, they'll be rip-roaring for uh, three, four, five, six months, maybe even a year. And then they kind of start gradually fading away, and then they disappear. And, and then after a year and a half or so, they're, you're People are going like, who was? I remember there was somebody. I don't remember their name, but they were here for a while and blah, blah. And then there were other people who uh, who show up three, four, five years ago. Uh, they go to a Rossman's boot camp. 
they take the hat, and then they work hard at their craft day in, day out. And you learn to trust and depend on them, and that's Joe Chambers and Steve Raby. I trust them. I depend on them to run events, and they do a really good job of it. So, all right. I'm going to take a call real quick here uh, before we get started. Area code uh, 218, you're on the air? Yes. Yes, I am. (laughs) Okay. Did you want to listen? Do you have something to say? Yeah, we do have something to say. First of all, thank you for taking our call. We are a first-time caller. And I'm here with, my name is Chris Odell, and I'm calling from Pine River, Minnesota. And my wife and our two sons, ages 9 and 12, participated in our first Appleseed event over the weekend of uh, June 29th and June 30th. Okay. We just wanted to call in and recognize, you know, what a high-quality two days that was for our family, both learning about marksmanship as well as American history, and we just wanted to call in and encourage other people to participate. Well, thank you, Chris. That's very, very nice, very kind of you. Do you remember who the instructors were that were uh, running the event for you? Yes. Uh, the the fellow who was organizing the event, his name was Alex, and I'm sorry I don't okay. remember his last name. And there was another gentleman by the name of Scott. Uh, these were all fellows from Minnesota and Wisconsin. Okay, and this was your first Hi. event. Well, tell me, tell me, Chris, did, whenever you, when you got to the end of the first day, was it what you thought it was going to be? Well, I think it was more. I uh, We were excited about the event. Uh, we really appreciated how the explanation of, of the American history and sort of the mindset of the American people uh, prior and during the revolution, then using the shooting exercises to sort of break it up it just really helps solidify how important, uh, you know, understanding marksmanship and, and how important that is to all of us as Americans. Well, and that was going to be my next qu- my next question was, <clears throat> did you expect <clears throat> did you expect uh, the history part to be the way that it was, or did you have any preconceived notions about it? I really didn't, uh, you know, have any uh, perceived notions. I was, I was pleased at the efforts, the instructors. You know, they they almost took on a, a slight theatrical uh, approach in explaining, which I thought was terrific. And I know my sons and my wife, we all enjoyed it, and we took a lot out of it. So. Uh, again, I just think it was a high-quality program, and you know we look forward to participating again, and we feel we understand American history just a little bit more, and we also uh, definitely feel that we can, you know, we're we're on the road to becoming better marksmen. 
Okay. Well, the telling the story when we talk about the history, that's that's what we call this telling the history. We call it telling the story. And and we really set a lot of uh we really set a lot of store by our instructors making it an interesting story because I always tell folks when uh, when I'm in, when I'm teaching instructors, uh, especially when I'm teaching them to be instructors and to tell the story, that they need to find uh, you know there 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 are thousands of pages of history. Even covering this one day, there's thousands of, of pages of history, more information than you could ever get in even to six weeks, let alone two days. But what the instructors need to do to find a section of the history, a part of the story that resonates in their heart, and then they use that to weave how they're going to tell the story. And I always tell the guys that, they have to make it interesting, and they have to be excited about it because if they're not excited about it, why in the world would anybody listening be excited about it? You know, if somebody's telling you a story and it's a dry recitation rather than than being told with feeling, then then what is that? And it's really it's 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 only enough to put you to sleep. Especially if the if the weather is uh, warm or you know. Well, I can share still. with you that you know not only uh, myself as as the father of our family, you know, I was interested and in, in, and the instructors kept my attention, but I also was very aware that you know my sons uh, they also were listening. So I think they did a good job reaching out to the uh, broad variety that were there with us in our small group. And, uh, you know, I just, again, they, they did a great job. And uh, I have one of my sons here who would like to place his comments. All right, put him on. Okay, here's, here's Finnegan. I'm sorry, what is it? My name's Finnegan, sir. Well, welcome to the show, sir. Now, did you think that you got your money's worth uh, at the uh, Apple Sea Project uh, two-day rifle marksmanship clinic? Yes, sir. I really felt that they're um, trying to bring the history back into life and making more mark marksmanship better and more gunship, I mean, more um, gunmen. And because when the war comes here, we need to be prepared. Well, listen, what was your favorite part of the weekend? Um, I really liked the shooting, basically. Um, and, and how did you how did you do? Did you do pretty good? Had you ever shot before? Yes, I've shot a lot before. Oh yeah. Well, how did you do? Do you remember what your score was? Um, I don't really remember what my score was, but I have some of my targets here, and I did pretty good. How you improved? I approved a well, lot. Good. Well, that is excellent. Are you going to go back to another one? Yes. Are you going to keep going till you shoot the rifleman standards? Yes. Yeah? And then are you someday going to get uh, up on the line yourself and teach other people how to shoot? 
and tell them the story? Maybe. Okay. Well, I want you to think about that, okay, because we need good, strong men like yourself. We need you guys to be able to get up on the line, show other Americans how to shoot correctly, and then tell them the story of how our nation began. We need that, and we need you to think about maybe someday joining the ranks and becoming an instructor. Will you think about that? Yes, sir. All right. And look, I, I look forward I really to hearing am. about you when you go to your next event, okay? Be sure and get your dad to call back in after you go to your next event. Okay. I really appreciated the good service and all they really took their time to really show us and didn't let stuff slide. When they knew we were doing it right, they took the time to show us right. Well, thank you. And thank you for taking the time to come. Thank you. And here's Eli. Eli is 12 years old. Hello, sir. Welcome, I'm, Eli. I'm Welcome to the show, Eli. Thank <laughs> Go you. Ahead. Go ahead. I participated in Appleseed, and I believed it was a very, it was a very good experience, experience for me. My favorite and what part, was your favorite part? My favorite part was um, shooting the redcoats. Really? Yeah, the red. I, you know what? I really like that too. I like shooting the redcoats, and I like watching the the people who show up shoot it because. What we do is, on Saturday mornings, before we give anybody any instruction, we'll have them uh, get their rifles or post targets, and we'll have them shoot the red coat targets. Do you remember how many uh, how many targets there were and how many shots you used? I think there were, there were six targets, and there were 13 shots. That's just about right. There, There is four silhouettes representing 100, 200, 300, and 400 yard targets. And then there's a one-inch square, which represents the 250-yard target. And yeah. you use 13 rounds to shoot those five targets. Three on each of the silhouettes times four is 12, and then one in the 250-yard one-inch square. And that will tell you, uh, you know, what distance uh, a shooter you are. Do you remember... Uh, what distance of shooter you were on Saturday morning? Were you able to get all three rounds into the 100-yard target? My first round, I did not. My first um, day, I didn't. I didn't get. What about on Sunday? Got... At the end of the day. Yeah. You improved. I improved a lot on on Sunday. I I got right close Excellent. to almost all of them. I even almost hit the 250-yard one. Excellent. And listen. Whenever you were listening to the history, did you learn anything about our history that you didn't know before you came? Yes, I did. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that people don't know that happened on April 19th, 1775. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of stories of a lot of American patriots and American heroes that began on that day. And... Uh, and I told the story a lot of times, and I'm telling you, sir, I still enjoy telling the story, no matter how many times I've told it. Well, now that you've been to a, uh, now that you've been to an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship uh, Weekend, I asked your brother the same question: Do you think that someday you might want to uh, 
to be able to teach people how to shoot and tell them the story like uh, the instructor told you? I would definitely like to do that someday. Well, keep coming. Keep coming to the events, and we'll get you on track so that you can uh, so that you can start learning how to become an instructor because we let, uh, I believe 14 is the age that we let guys uh, start instructing, and uh, that's not too far away for you. No, it's really not. It's only two years. Well, listen, thank you so much for calling. And what I'd like you to do is whenever you guys go to your next event, get your dad to call in again so you can we can talk to you again and find out how it went on your next one. And, and I will do that. And, again, we really appreciate it. And we're actually working with our local gun club and the local DNR officer, who is the conservation officer in our area, and she's trying to get a opportunity for Appleseed to come right here to our community. Oh, that's perfect. Well, yeah, sure so we're really hopeful that uh, that'll that'll happen for us. I'm sure that she that uh, they told you that that Appleseed is is more than happy to bring an event to you wherever you are. If you can get yep. your local range to okay it, then we will yep. be glad to bring an event in. Or if you can find uh, some private land, yep. then we'll be glad to bring it uh, to the private land. Somebody, if you can find somebody that we, has we our local land and wants to host it, local club would definitely be interested. And you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna do our part to make that happen. So, again, we really appreciate it. The story is, you know, it's an American story. It's an American right, and it's an American privilege for us to be able to gather and train and for fathers like myself to train train our children and for my wife to support us and allow us to do these things and we just really appreciate all your efforts and all the Appleseed Project people. Well thank you sir. Like I said be sure and give us a call when you go to your next one, okay? Yeah, we'll do it. All right. Thank you. God bless you and yours. Stay safe and uh and thank you for taking the time to attend an event. Yeah, the the one last comment I wanted to make was one of the things that we all were uh, really impressed by was how effective the uh, the sl- the particular sling that they use. The GI sling. The GI sling, right? I mean, that you know is such an ama- it's so simple but yet so effective. Yeah. <laughs> It's surprising that that came from the military, right? Because it's very. I know, right? I mean, normally you think of it, as, <laughs> but it's such an effective, and and you know, we're we're working to get our hands on a couple of those right now. Well, excellent. All right. Well, listen. Thank you, sir, for calling You're in. Welcome. And like I said, be sure and give us a call when you attend your next event, or you can call anytime. Call in anytime. You're you're welcome to call in. And one of the guys just uh, put in the chat room that the minimum age for uh, and I, instructor in training, is 13. So nice. you guys uh, stick with it and uh, give us a call whenever you attend your next event. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, too, sir. Take care. Have a nice day. Bye. All right. There's, uh, there's another example, and and that's not uh, by any means uh an isolated or a uh, uh, or an out of the ordinary example 
or something that somebody would say after going to an event because I hear it all the time. I've heard it for years. Uh, and it's one of the things that, uh, it's one of the things that allows me to keep devoting the the time and effort that I do to Appleseed is because I know that it's having an effect. It's having a positive effect on my community, on my state, on my nation, on my friends and their families. And, and that's the thing that recharges me is, is hearing about the way that it, that it's positively affecting folks. Okay. I've got another call I'm going to take here. Uh, area code 719. You're on the air. Hi, uh, my name is Jeff. Did you say Jeff? Yes. Jeff, well, welcome to the show, Jeff. Well, thank you. Uh, I want to let you know that I've uh, uh, attended one of the Appleseed shoots. Um, I wanted to let all the other prospective uh, people who are thinking about going to a shoot not to make the mistake that I did and bring... Uh, ammo that is was unreliable and inaccurate. <laughs> That's what uh, kept me from qualifying. Well, I'm sure you probably didn't do it on purpose, right? You no, didn't go to your closet, your ammo closet, and say, "I'm going to get this ammo here because it's kind of green and corroded, and uh, and some of the, the projectiles are bent, so I'm going to use it." How did you find out that it wasn't uh, that the ammo wasn't uh, uh, wasn't good? Were you getting misfires or failure to fire? What was happening? It was just um, out of uh, three shots, uh, the third, one of the three, would I would get these massive flyers. And I didn't know. Um, I practiced with it before, and I thought it was me, you know, jerking the trigger or whatever. And the instructor said, no, you're doing everything right. What kind are you using? And it was uh, old uh, 308 uh, surplus Indian ammo from India. Uh-huh. And they go, oh, that stuff is junk. You, it's just you've got flyers because of its inaccuracy and consistency. So That's certainly a, that's certainly a possibility. There's There's been quite a few complaints of some of the, the old Indian uh, ammunition. And uh, including uh, some failures to fire. Uh, I remember Fred talking uh, one time about how he had bought uh, a couple of thousand rounds of it, and and he was having one in ten uh, misfires with it. And at first he was angry about it, but then he said, you know, he wished he had bought a lot more because uh, because it gives him it gave him a chance to practice ball and dummy when he was at the range. So, yeah. So he's trying to find the good out of anything. Uh, now, when you tried the different ammunition, you weren't getting the flyers, right? Uh, no, it was it it was fairly consistent on uh, uh, firing, but the flyers were just horrendous. No, no. I mean, did you try any other type of ammunition? What I'm asking is if. Make sure oh, that, no, it, no, that you I, narrow it down to the ammunition, and it's not something like uh, uh, like a uh, like something to do with your crown or something like that. 
you know, something to do with the rifled barrel. Uh, a lot of people, yeah, you know, when they when they first start out with the firearms and stuff, they don't understand some of the stuff about it. And I'm not saying this is you. I'm just saying this for general knowledge for other folks. And they will take their yeah. uh, cleaning rods and stuff, kind of ram it into the end of that barrel. And what they'll do is they'll they'll make a tiny microscopic burr the very end of the barrel, which is the last part to touch the projectile, at least the barrel, and that can cause uh, flyers too. So whenever you get a chance, try some different ammunition in it and make sure that, uh, that it is the ammunition and that it's not uh, uh, some type of a, uh, you know, a burr or, or a scarring mark uh, on the crown of your rifle. Yeah, and and. Obviously, make sure that the barrel and chamber are clean, so you know there's no uh, accuracy issues there. So. Yeah, well, the know, other I mean, thing that I wanted a quick, to... a quick note about the about cleaning your rifle and stuff. Sure, certainly your rifle should not be uh, it should not be corroded or fouled up or anything like that. But I'm telling you, after after years of doing uh, doing it different ways. Uh, my suggestion would be to most folks is, is never put anything more than a boar snake through your barrel. That's the only thing I ever use anymore is a boar snake. I don't use a, uh, any of the brushes or patches or, or anything else. I don't use any kind of solvents. Uh, I've had thousands and thousands of rounds now, and uh, the most I do I make sure that it's clean, but I put a boar snake in it before I start shooting, and I put a boar snake in at the end, and that's all I do. I don't jack with it in any other way. So that's just uh, just uh, one person's way of uh, of keeping track of their gear. So what now? What were you going to say? What question on the boar snake? When those get pretty dirty, uh, can you wash them, or you just throw them away and buy another one? Oh, you can. You can wash them. <laughs> make sure that uh, make sure that you don't you don't put it in there with uh, you know your wife's underwear or something. Uh, I just put mine inside like a sock or something and tie a knot uh, on it and uh, and soak it in the sink and hand wash it in the sink. I don't uh, uh, I don't do anything else. You can put it in the washing machine, I guess, if you want. But you can uh, you can you can soak it in the soap and stuff and clean it out. Uh, but they're not that expensive, so uh, yeah, not that uh, not that bad an idea just to have a couple, and uh, and and that's what I use on mine. Uh, so that's what uh, that's what would that's what okay. I would recommend. Everybody has their own different techniques and their own advice for you to to consider, and that's just that's just my two cents on it. Okay. Well, the last thing I wanted to comment on, which was uh, I I received an email from you, uh, your organization, Appleseed, and they said they were going to be talking about uh, emergency food for emergency situations. And um, I don't really know. I, I have some advice on that, which is the ultimate survival food that you don't have to prepare. It's lightweight. It's 
minuscule amounts can sustain one ounce because one ounce can sustain you for a week. But Uh-oh. I don't know if it's a good idea to put this over the open air because knowing our lovely federal government, they may block the importation of these of this type of food. So well, you don't have to, do, you don't have to put it out. You can put it in the chat if you want, or uh, or you know, it's, what one person saying something on the radio isn't gonna isn't gonna affect. Uh, Anything the federal government does. So you're welcome to say it or not say it. And yeah, that's that's the show tonight. We got uh, we had a little bit of business we're taking care of first, but that's what we're going to talk about now. We're going to go over. We're going to go through an overview of uh, of survival foods uh, and then uh, prepping the food, storage, and production. We're just going to do a quick overview tonight because we're going to go into it in deeper and more specific and uh, some of the shows that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. So if you want to uh, – uh, now, first of all, you have me very interested because you're saying one ounce of this food will sustain you for a week. So what is it? Uh, I've been eating this food for, let's see, over 15 years now, and you've probably heard of it. Uh, it's uh, it's They put it on – they use it in, on the chia pet, you know, those little chia seeds. Uh-huh. Are you, you talking about sprouts? No, well, you can sprout them, but no, I just eat the seeds by themselves. Mm. Well, you know, there's and all kinds of things you can do, but uh, one of the things that uh, one of the things that you're probably going to need to figure out to do is how to get uh, a, a fairly well-rounded uh, diet. Now, when we start talking no, about uh, when we start talking that's about incorrect. I'm with sorry? the chia seeds, it's a complete whole food. Right. Plus, right. It, it, it may, so it may much well be. I don't. I don't know enough about it to talk about it, but I do know enough uh, about a lot of other, a lot of the other things that we'll need to figure out. Uh, and that is that when right. you, whenever you're trying to survive in. Uh, uh, and you are you're talking about your food. What you got to figure out is how much it's going, how much food it's going to take you, uh, how much food you're going to need for a survival situation. Now, a normal, uh, uh, an average size man doing a, a, a just a minimal amount of work. Uh, during the day needs approximately 2,500 calories. And that's uh, to maintain the current weight and functionality. Uh, and then when you start doing a moderate physical label, labor or uh, or things that you would need to do during survival situations, then who knows what that will be. Maybe it means, uh, uh, you know, sorting through a building, trying to, to get to survivors or Maybe it means, you know, going through the fields, trying to uh, collect enough food to eat, stuff like that. And that number quickly pushes up to 3,000 calories a day and and then exceeds that. Uh, you know, if you're, a, uh, if you're a, an average-type uh, fellow and you're doing a fairly uh, uh, strenuous physical activity that you've got to pack on and you're trying to walk at a fast speed, and get from point A to point B, 
you're going to need uh, between 35 and 3,800 calories a day. And a lot of people think that, well, uh, I only have a certain amount of food, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to conserve it. I'm going to take my uh, my protein bar, uh, and it's uh, the one bar that's supposed to give me uh, maybe one-eighth of my calories for the day. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to chop it up into, uh, you know, ten pieces, and I'm going to eat one piece a day, uh, you know, or one or two pieces a day or something like that in order to conserve my food. You can do that. Uh, I mean, you can even not eat anything at all. You can survive, uh, you know, up to 30 days and even longer without any food. The problem with it is this. When your caloric intake drops below, say, 1,200 calories, which is about half uh, of what uh, your normal intake would be, uh, the body goes into a survival stress mode. And, and this starts to impair uh, physical and cognitive functions. Uh, you can get uh, lethargic. Uh, indecisive, confused, sleepy, all of these things start to happen because what's happening is your body is saying, look, I'm not getting enough food, so I'm going to start shutting some things down in order to conserve it. Now, you don't have, unless you're some type of a uh, a massively trained uh, Zen uh, yogi or something, you don't have much say about this. Your body's going to do it regardless. So, whenever you're not getting the amount of calories you need, you're going to get tired, you're going to get sleepy, you're going to get uh, confused or indecisive. And this is exactly what you don't want to happen whenever you're in some type of a survival situation where where you don't have the luxury of just saying, oh, well, you know what, I'm, uh, I've gotten lethargic and confused, so I'm going to go sit on the couch and uh, catch, a, catch a game, maybe catch some Z's while I'm watching it. You don't have that luxury. You may need to have all of your faculties available, which means you need to make sure that you have enough food and the right kind of food to, to carry you through a situation like this. So we're talking about... Uh, uh, about 3,000 to 3,500 calories per person per day. That may be a little bit more or a little bit less, depending on uh, on your your size and your sex. And and in a survival situation, uh, calories are very crucial. And the more calories, the better. Uh, you know, and most times what people talk about, uh, like especially if you're on a diet or something like that, that you want Can to I make a comment on the calories? Of... Yeah, go ahead real quickly. Well, one, there's a big difference. I'm a health consultant, and um, there's a big difference in the different type of calories. If you're eating empty calories with no nutrition, minerals and vitamins, the calories really don't do you much good. The best type of calories are nutrient-dense, lots of minerals, lots of vitamins, and the body can make some minerals, but it cannot make any, uh, the body can make some vitamins, but cannot make any minerals. So the minerals is very, very important. And yeah, one thing that, about that, that is that's going to be real good for, uh, you know, for every day, uh, like you're saying, trying to keep uh, 
uh, you're healthy, in good shape every day in a, in a regular situation. But it's a little bit different in survival type situations. In survival type situations, you're going to want uh, uh, you want to want things like fat. And remember, fat is going to be your friend. Uh, fat has uh, nine calories per gram, where protein and <clears throat> carbohydrates <clears throat> only have around four calories per gram. So if you have uh, two pounds of food that you can take with you, well, you know, you're going to have to ask yourself, what do you want? What kind of food do you want that to be? And you need to keep this in mind whenever you're when you're making your preparations and you're making your plans for for survival food and stuff like that. Uh, one of the things that you can use for survival food are things like uh, canned food. I mean, canned food is there's nothing wrong with canned food. Uh, it's going to weigh a little bit more, and you're going to have to you know have cans and stuff to open. But if, especially if you're uh, if you're not in a uh, a mobile situation, there's nothing wrong with canned foods. They have a a really decent uh, shelf life, and and usually they're they're fairly safe to eat, even well past their their Best Buy or you know whatever dates are on there. Uh, you know there have been plenty of tests run by uh, FDA and the, all of the uh, the food folks that uh, have shown that you can eat that food. Uh, you know. Even as far as 40 to 100 years later, the food is still edible. Uh, and I know that I've eaten, I've eaten, uh, uh, not MREs, uh, sea rations. Sea rations that uh, in some cases were almost 30 years old. <clears throat> now, I didn't taste that great. And I'm sure that the, the quality uh, of the food was, uh, was not that great. I don't know what it would be tested, how you could test it, but... Uh, and if there's no damage to the container or something like that, it's 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 uh it's probably good to eat. But whenever you're looking at food or you're thinking about uh, taking food to store, uh, all canned food and all calories are not equal. And most folks, you know, when you go to the store, because my wife has done has done this plenty of times too, is you you see something that's on sale. Like the last time uh, she came home with, I think, two or three cases of of canned yams, and uh, I like yams, and, you know, the canned yams were good. Uh, now, it turns out that these, land, that these canned yams, I don't know if if they had set, uh, if they had gotten some salt water on them somehow or something. Anyway, the bottoms of the cans ended up rusting out after about a year. But here's the thing with, the, with some of the canned foods is that take a uh, – a can of green beans, say. And uh, I'm, I want to let you know that some of this information I'm getting from uh, Survival Blog, which is a good place to get information from. And uh, uh, and there's an article in there called The Importance of Calories uh, in a Survival Situation by Keith W. <clears throat> and, uh, and one of the things he's talking about is that uh, when you have a can of green beans, and if you look at the uh, the calories that's on there, it'll show about 120 calories, right? So for, in order for you to get the calories, uh, the amount of calories that you would need uh, to run your body for a day, you're talking about uh, 10 cans uh, of calories just to meet a portion of the needs uh, for an average guy, and uh, the, can, the green bean calories aren't going to include much in the way of protein or, or, or fat either, which are which are both critical 
for your help, and especially in a survival or stressful situation. But if you look at a can of, uh, of say, Vienna sausages, that same, that same can will have close to 500 calories uh, along, with, uh, along with the needed protein and fat. So when you're looking at, at purchasing your foods, especially stuff like canned food and stuff, be sure and keep this in mind. Keep in mind the fact that no matter what it is uh, that you're going to need, uh, you're going to need a certain amount of calories per day just to keep you uh, in neutral in one place. You're going to need uh, the 2,500 to 3,500 calories uh, per day just to keep you going. More than that, if you're going to be working hard and uh, and we're, we're certainly uh, we're certainly going to cover more of the stuff, uh, more of the uh, the the needs of the body as far as uh, protein and vitamins and stuff like that. We'll cover that more of that in depth uh, on another show. But you're going to need a good amount of calories, and you're going to need proteins and fats, and you're going to need to figure out the best way to get this. So make sure that you're that you're taking this into consideration whenever you are putting together uh, your your food buying, your food preps uh, for your survival situations. Uh, so you want to a, a good rule of thumb would be to devote at least half of your purchases uh, to high calorie. Uh, Type foods with uh, with a good amount of protein and fat, and in addition, make sure that you've got uh, starches like beans and corn, potatoes, since the uh, since your body can fairly easily metabolize the carbohydrates and turn the uh, turn the starches into sugars that your brain is going to need. And uh, fruits and vegetables have fiber and vitamins that can't that you're not going to be able to get from other sources. So make sure that you're adding them in too. Uh, so one of the first things you need to do is you're going to have to figure out uh, how many calories you're going to need. You're going to have to set that up, uh, and that's going to be 25 to 3,500 calories per a day, and it's going to be certain types. It can't just be uh, – uh, like Jeff was saying earlier, can't just be empty uh, calories because you can certainly there are plenty of uh, of different products where you can get calories, uh, but it's no different than than say feeding a fire with uh, with sheets of newspaper or something. It's not going to give your body the things that it needs. So make sure that you're whenever you're buying food. Uh, Make sure that you are taking this into consideration. Can't okay, just go out and just grab up uh, willy-nilly cans of food and stuff like that, and and just think you're going to be okay by saying I'm going to I'm going to make sure that I have one can of food per day to eat, because that one can of food may not be anywhere near what you will need to to function, not just stay alive, but to be able to function and uh, eat. And then start your uh, your planning in that fashion. 
make sure that you've broken it down into things that, that you're going to uh, that you can count the calories and that you can add up the amount of calories that you're going to need and the types of calories that you're going to need. Because uh, just like Jeff was saying a minute ago, there's going to be different uh, different foods that, uh, like we were just saying a minute ago, uh, about the uh, fruits, vegetables, and fibers that have uh, vitamins that you that you really can't get from any other sources. Now, uh, and we can talk about taking uh, supplemental vitamins uh, at a later show, but that's, what, that's one of the things that we are going to be talking about. But right now, let's talk about just starting to build up your uh, your food, uh, your food storage. I mean, your food plan. So, what you're going to need to do is to uh, make a list of the the calories that you're bu- you're buying, <clears throat> and you can get more information uh, on this in, all over the web. Uh, uh, there's a couple of folks that uh, that I would like to see who one is Jack Spierko and uh, and uh, the Survival Podcast, and he's got a forum that goes with it, and you can find just about everything you need to know uh, on the forum that goes with the Survival Podcast, <clears throat> and start uh, planning your purchases. Now, <clears throat> in addition to this. Uh, in addition to anything like canned foods and stuff, uh, you need to start considering dried foods. Now, I'm also going to mention at this point too that there's a that if you uh, if you're looking at this and you're saying oh, I don't really have time for a lot of this, and I saw uh, I saw several uh, advertisements for things like. Uh, like the pre-planned foods or the pre-packaged bulk foods, then what you need to do is you need to make sure that that you're taking a look uh, at the number of calories and the number of meals that they are talking about whenever uh, uh, whenever they are selling you these kits because a lot of the uh a lot of the kits uh are not if you want to read them you'll see that they are not including all of the calories for you necessary for you for each day a lot of the kits when they're talking about a 60 day supply of food if you read it they're talking about two meals per person per day and a lot of them are basing those meals on only 800 or less calories per person per day. Now, we already spoke in the beginning of the show about how that's not enough. You're going to need uh, 2,500 or so calories per person per day on the minimum. So when you start looking at uh, a lot of these these prepackaged plans that say, okay, we're going to we're going to give you a a 60-day or an 80-day or, or one-year supply of food, and you start reading, and they start have, and you read that it is planned out and calculated on uh, two meals per person per day, and a total of 800 calories per day. That's not going to be enough, okay? That's not going to work. <clears throat> Certainly, 
if you want to do something like that to get you started, you can do that. You can buy you a uh, uh, a bulk set uh, and use that as something to build around because uh, it's a good, I guess, a good way for you to get started real quickly and without a lot of fuss. And you can use it to build around supplement. But if you look at uh, some of the other things, like uh, a lot of those meals are dehydrated meals that may take uh, a good deal of water and up to 20 or 30 minutes of cooking time. When you start talking about uh, stuff like this, you need to make sure that you're considering all of these angles because uh, 20 or 30 minutes of cooking time per a meal is going to add up to a lot of energy needs. And we're going to talk about energy on another day. It's going to turn out to, to be a lot of energy needs. So that's going to have to be something that you think about too. How much energy and water is it going to take to prepare this meal? And, uh, and make sure that that is part of the, the process of your food preparation planning. Now, of course, drying food, dried foods, it's one of the oldest methods of preserving food, and it's still one of the best bets you can get uh, as far as uh, shelf life of the foods and durability of foods. You have dehydrated foods that can, uh, a lot of them now have 20 or 30 year shelf lives. Uh, and you can buy the food in, uh, in things like uh, the number 10 cans, which are dehydrated, and they actually have like a, a lid that you can put back on them, and, you know, you can open a can, stuff like that. But uh, these foods are going to be kind of expensive, and certainly they're going to be kind of hard to transport. Personally, if you're on a budget, I would suggest that you simply start building and making uh, your own uh, food, storage uh, preps yourself. And you can do that pretty easily. Uh, you can start buying dried foods. You can buy, heck, you can go to the uh, uh, Walmart or uh, or Sam's Club and you can start buying the uh, uh, dried beans and rice and stuff like that. Let me put in real quick here that one of the things that you need to do whenever you are you're planning your food prep and to make sure that you're planning it around stuff that you like to eat, all right? Make sure that you're buying stuff and storing stuff that you like to eat. It's, it, seems like a, it seems like a strange thing to consider, but it's really not. You're already going to have a lot of, a lot of stress uh, and a lot of other things you're going to be doing without in this situation. And uh, the last thing you want to do is pick a bunch of food that you would not eat in a normal uh, in a normal situation. Buy the things that you eat because here's why. We're going to talk about this more too in a minute. And that is that as you're buying these foods, you want to make sure that you're buying stuff that you would normally eat in the course of your of your everyday life because. You don't want to buy a whole bunch of stuff and then and then put it on the shelf and forget about it. And then uh, when you need it in a year or two years or three years or five years and you open it up and it's no good anymore, 
You want to buy stuff that you are that you're eating normally, and then rotate through that on your on a, on your regular uh, eating plan. If you eat rice and beans, perfect. Then you can buy the bulk rice and beans. You can start storing them. What I do is I buy I'll buy the uh, twenty, thirty, and fifty pound sacks of rice and beans, and then I go to uh, Lowe's, and right now you can get some really good, uh, inexpensive plastic containers, and these are food-grade containers, all right, from uh, from Lowe's, and uh, you can get the buckets and the uh, the lids, and you put the uh, you can buy the uh, Mylar food storage bags, and I'll put the uh, uh, some of the uh, some of the addresses where you can get this stuff in the show notes. But uh, really, of course, it's pretty easy to Google Mylar food storage bags. And uh, we're going to have somebody on in the next uh, couple of weeks, one of the, uh, the vendors that actually sell them. I met them at the Self-Reliance Expo. But you take the uh, five-gallon buckets, you use a, a Mylar uh, food storage bag to line it, and then you take the, the bulk beans or rice, and you pour it in the bag, and you seal it up and cap it off and put it in storage. And then I always make sure to date a number and date the cans so I know what date they went in because I'm going to eat them, you know, of course, in the in the order that I stored them up. And, I, you know, we eat rice and beans, so that's, that's a perfectly good food for us to store. Now, I also wanted to point out, too, is that when we eat rice and beans, we eat rice and beans with salt and pepper and onions and stuff like that in it, right? So if that's the way you normally eat it, make sure that's the way that you store it up too. I don't mean you don't have to pour the spices into the bulk storage. I'm just saying make sure that uh, whenever you buy the bulk food, the bulk rice and beans, make sure you buy enough spices that you can put the spices uh, on that food that you're preparing. Don't neglect to buy spices. I bought uh, quite a bit of salt. Every time I go to the store, I buy additional salt, and I buy it usually in the uh, uh, the little containers. Let me look. I'm looking at the... The cans now here, I think that they're three pounds, uh, the uh, little cardboard containers, uh, because those are easy to buy. They're cheap. I think it's about 80 cents a piece when I get them. I'll usually buy seven or eight well, when I go to the store with my other purchases, and they can they stack real easy. And uh, I also look at them as uh, potential barter items. And then uh, salt would be needed for cooking. It would be needed for drying meat and stuff like that. So make sure that you're buying spices to go with your bulk food. I take the food, I put it up in the five-gallon cans, and then uh, seal it up. And we're gonna we're gonna have the folks on the vendors who are selling the uh, the food storage systems in the bag and stuff. And they're gonna they're going to walk you through how to use it correctly and stuff like that. So I'm not covering that right now, but they're gonna walk you through it. But I'll uh, I'll make those up, and I will go ahead. Whenever I when I put five gallons of uh, uh, rice up, I will go ahead and put uh, 
uh, a container of salt or a bag of salt in there with it when I seal it up. So it's it's already in there. It's not spread out through there, but there's a bag of salt uh, in with the rice and a bag of salt in with the beans so that uh, so that each of the containers are, already have the, the spices stored up there inside with them. <clears throat> now, this is a good way for you to, to get started because you can buy the bulk dried foods uh, fairly inexpensively, and they'll last a, a really a, a decent amount of time, especially if they're put up correctly, all right? And uh, But let me tell you this, too, and that is if you're saying, well, I would do that, but I don't have all of the other stuff I need to to start buying uh, the the rice and beans and putting it up, don't wait, okay? Don't wait until you have all of the your, the ingredients, the, the Mylar bags or the five-gallon buckets and stuff like that because the 20-pound the, the sack of rice or the 10-pound sack of beans will store just fine uh, in, in, in a uh, Rubbermaid container uh, under your bed for a while, all right? I mean, you can buy these stuff, and, and, and it will sit in your shelf in your pantry uh, for a year or more time. So, so don't wait until you have all the components uh, before you start. Go ahead and start uh, picking up now the things that you're going to need, uh, that you're going to eat. Start picking it up now. Now, the uh, the... The dry food uh, can be supplemented, uh, and of course, it, let's, when we're talking about drying, let's talk about uh, uh, let's talk about drying other foods too. You could dry uh, almost any kind of food can be dehydrated for use for storage for later on, <clears throat> and this is one of the things that you'll want to do uh, uh, with food from the garden because. Whenever you harvest uh, your garden, we're gonna we're gonna have another person on uh, in the next uh, not this week but week after to talk about uh, seeds and gardening. All right, because that's going to be another important aspect of of preparing for survival food and also for making this a part of your lifestyle. But anyway, whenever you get the when you harvest your food from the garden, uh, you may you're, you're certainly going to have more than than what you're going to be able to eat uh, then and there. Now, certainly some you could maybe trade uh, for other things or other food, uh, but you're going to need a lot of that food too. So, how can you? Uh, how can you save it for storage or prepare it for storage? And the answer is going to be by dehydrating it. And this is fairly easy to do. You can make uh, dehydrators just about uh, out of any kind of screen or anything like that. And you can dry food. You can uh, slice up uh, most of your the kind of food that you that you have. You can slice it up and dehydrate it and and store it. But you can do the same thing with meat and fish. That's a little bit uh it's a little bit more of a, a process than the vegetables. 
but you can take meat if you get uh, if you get lucky and you get uh, a deer or something like that, or if you catch uh, a whole lot of extra fish. You can take that meat and you can slice it into fairly thin slices, say a quarter inch or so uh, or less. Uh, you can rub it with uh, with salt or pepper or garlic and stuff like that, and then uh, and then hang it uh, uh, either hang it from like a tree limb or from a you know from a line or a cable or something, uh, not in the direct sun. But uh, in a place where the where the air can get to it, and you're like if you're hanging a whole bunch of slices of meat up, you don't want to have the meat, any of the meat touching. Anywhere it touches, it can begin to rot. But uh, hang it up where there's a good decent airflow all around it, and uh, and you can dry that meat out into a jerky and uh, and save it for later use. Same thing with a fish. Uh, you can uh, smoke it first, and this is one the, the the this is one of the places where the salt is going to come in handy is in helping to prepare the meat. And you cut the meat into thin slices, quarter inch or less. Uh, rub it the the salt on it real good, which will also help to, to suck the water out of it. And then hang it up and dry it. Uh, and then you can uh, you can smoke uh, the meat too, which uh, will give it a Give it a little bit of a flavor. I'm not that big on smoked meat flavor. But the other thing is it will also help uh, preserve it. You put it in a smoker, you put the uh, the meat into a smoker, and it will kind of seal up uh, a bit of the uh, the exterior of the meat. And uh, usually it will kill any, a lot of the uh, uh, the bacteria and stuff. And, uh, you know, it will give it kind of a, uh, kind of a decent uh, flavor. Uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, to get it uh, back into eating shape, you can eat the dried meat just like you would. It's just jerky. Uh, but if you want to use it in some kind of a food dish or something, you know, you can rehydrate it by soaking it in uh, in water when you're when you're ready to to use it. Uh, now the we had uh, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Mark Vorderberger on a while back, and uh, you can get him at uh, his website, which is uh, uh, Foraging Texas, I believe. And uh, you can just Google that, Foraging Texas, and uh, he'll talk about the the edible wild plants that uh, that you can get in this in the state of Texas, and of course, uh, most of these are you can get just about anywhere. And we were talking about uh, in you eating a vegetable diet about how hard it was to get fats. So that's one of the reasons that you're going to need uh, uh, meat with fats is because it's it's hard to get fats. Uh, uh, in many other ways, and uh, so you'll need to make sure that uh, that as you're as you're putting together your your meals, you're looking at the uh, you're looking at the 
the different types of calories you're going to need and uh, where you're going to get these. Now, I want to come back to uh, the the foods that you can buy uh, online, like the emergency food supplies and stuff like that. Now, you can also buy a lot of these uh, already pre-prepared packages at places like Sam's. I think Sam's and Costco's both uh, have been putting together these packages uh, that you can buy. They're already made up and stuff like that. As I said, though, you're going to need to make sure that you that you are checking to see what they are calling uh, a daily amount uh, of of calories. Uh, because because the 600 to 800 calories per day that some of these uh, these plans are calling for the two meals and 600 to 800 calories are not going to be enough. Uh, so make sure that you're checking those. But as I said, it's not, it's it's not a bad idea to get uh, to buy some of those and start building around it. <clears throat> now. Uh, in addition to the food that you're that you're storing, uh, you'll need to think about long, longer term food. And when I'm talking about longer term food, I'm talking about the uh, the fact that if you have uh, 60 days of food or even a year's supply of food, that's great. But what happens if if your need for food goes past the 60 or 90 or 100 days or a year, what are you going to do then? Uh, And one of the best things you can think about doing now is to start buying seeds because uh, even if you only have a tiny yard, uh, even just a... uh, a uh, hundred foot by one hundred foot yard can grow enough food to sustain a couple of people. Uh, it has to be done right, but it, it's it's enough room uh, to grow enough food to sustain a couple of people if you if it's done right, and certainly uh, in order to supplement your food. So <clears throat> so you'll need to start looking at developing uh, a plan for your seeds, for buying seeds. Uh, There's a lot of folks who have already gone uh, through a lot of the trouble of developing these packages for you. One of the folks are going to be Texas Ready Seeds, and uh, they're going to be on. uh, These are the folks I told you are going to be on in in about two weeks uh, to talk to you about seeds and gardening. But you need to think about uh in long term certainly is about is about having seeds so that you can start uh the minute you're able to, you can start putting seeds in the ground so that you know that uh, especially if it's like spring, if you can uh if you can survive for uh for four months then you can start at the end of the four months. You can start eating off of the garden 
pretty quickly. You can start eating off of the garden, even quirking that on some things, things like radishes and stuff like that. Uh, things like sprouts, which can be they can be eaten year round. You don't have to have a, a special growing season for that because they can be started and grown indoors, and you can eat the sprouts uh, to supplement your meals. But it has to be a certain type of seeds in order for it, this to be a, a self-sustaining uh, project. A lot of the seeds that you would normally buy in your store are going to be hybrid seeds. That means that these seeds were uh, created usually through a, a process of cloning so that uh, they can ensure that they're getting the exact same seed for a special plant that they're going to grow. The problem with this, with the hybrids, is that the seeds from the hybrids don't produce the hybrids. You're not going to get the the, the same plant uh, from that seed if it germinates at all. So what you're going to need to do is is make sure that when you're purchasing seeds that you're paying close attention and that you are getting what's called uh, heirloom seeds. And these are seeds that you can harvest uh, once once the, uh, the crop has been produced. You can harvest the seeds from these plants and plant them again and get that same plant and keep harvesting the seeds and keep planting them. For as long as you, as long as you continue to plant that seed, then you will be able to get viable seeds from that plant, from the fruit of that plant, and you you will be able to repeat the process. And the only way you'll be able to do this is with heirloom uh, quality seeds. And like I said, you you don't normally get that off most of the seed packages that you get from your uh, from your bulk. Uh, stores like uh, Lowe's and Home Depot and stuff like that. You need to make sure that you're buying heirloom quality seeds. And there's plenty of places that you can get it. You can you can Google the uh, you can Google heirloom quality or heirloom seeds, and uh, and it will tell you. It will give you a list of folks that uh, that will sell you those seeds and. Like I said, we've got Texas Ready Seeds who will be on in a couple of weeks, and uh, they'll be talking to you about about prepackaged plans that they have, and that's where they've gone through and they've they selected uh, a good number, a good rounded out selection of seeds for you, and uh, and they put them together of all of heirloom quality seeds. They put them together in uh, in plans where they've calculated out. Uh, the number of seeds and the number of plants it will it will take to sustain uh, one person or or two people or a family of four and stuff like that, <clears throat> along with buffer seeds to make sure that that you're planting enough. Because I'll tell you right now that learning to plant a garden and harvest the crop of it is going to be something that uh, is ripe with the opportunity for failures. Uh, it's usually not something that you get right the very first time you do it. That's one of the reasons that I would suggest that uh, you start, that you get your seeds now and you start 
uh, at least experimenting with them because uh, there may be some things that don't work uh, right where you are because of whatever the soil quality or something like that. And and you don't want to wait until your family's uh, survival, your family's food survival uh, is on the line. Uh, you want to get some of those seeds now and start planting and start trying it and seeing how it works, what works and what doesn't work. Now, when when if your crop fails, you can go to the store and you can buy some fresh uh, food or fresh uh, fruit or vegetables there rather than at a time when your survival depends on it, on the garden succeeding. You need to uh, do your experimentation and uh and figuring it out now <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> okay, so that's your uh, that's gonna be your uh a, a topic that we'll have in a couple of weeks, and that's gonna be uh planning out your survival seeds now, one of the things that I do is that every time I go to the store, my family doesn't have any problem with eating ramen, all right? We all we all pretty much are okay with it. And ramen is uh, is one of those foods that's uh, fairly cheap. Uh, it doesn't have a, a great deal of the nutrients that you need, but one package of ramen, uh, which is, uh, you know, it's one of the those little chunks, one package uh, has uh, 380 calories, right? And uh, and it's pretty inexpensive. Uh, I don't remember what that price is now. I remember back when I was in college, I think I was getting it for seven cents a pack, but it's still pretty cheap. So I'll buy uh, whenever I get ready to check out. I'll I'll toss in another case of that, <clears throat> and I package them up. The same way I do the rest of the bulk stuff. I'll put, uh, I believe I can get 60, uh, 60 servings, 60 meals into a uh, five-gallon container and uh, seal it up. And uh, and at still, I think it's still at, at right around, uh, right around 17 cents or something like that for a meal. Uh, it's still a great bet at. Uh, uh, for an inexpensive uh, meal, and uh, and certainly one of the items that uh, I would consider uh, adding to my uh, adding to my uh, survival food plan. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> uh, now one more thing. And that's going to be uh, a great number of folks have pets now. We've got our cats and our dogs, and and usually we consider them to be family members. So whenever you start thinking about uh, food for your own survival, you're going to have to consider uh, food for your animals survival too because it's a it's a crime to starve an animal so you have to figure out some way to feed the animals 
Now, certainly they can eat uh, they could eat leftovers if you had them. And I'm telling you right now that in a survival situation, if you have leftovers at a meal, then then you are incorrectly planning that meal. All right, there shouldn't be any waste. So you have to figure out some way to feed your animal. Now you can buy uh, uh, dog food and you can store it in bulk the same way uh, you do the rice and beans and stuff like that. Uh, I would even suggest uh, getting larger containers. I'd suggest getting some of the 55-gallon barrels, you know, they have the pop-off tops. Uh, You can buy those in metal and plastic. And uh, sealing up uh, 55 gallons of uh, dried dog food at a time for that. Now, we'll... uh, We'll, when we have the folks on there and talking about food storage with the containers and on our bag and stuff, we'll talk to you then about the right way to do it because you can't just uh, you can't just dump uh, 10 50-pound sacks into a 55 container, 55-gallon container, put the top back open and lock it, all right? Because it's going to go bad, and uh, going to pop open that that uh, $200 can of dog food, and it's not going to be good. So there's going to be a right way to do it. Uh, we'll figure out, or we'll talk to you about that when we have the uh, the dog food, or have the container folks on. <clears throat> uh, we talked about water last week, and uh, and food it's going to take a little bit longer because there's a lot more variables uh, and they go into consideration when you're talking about storing food. Now, be sure and look on the uh, the blog site. I'll uh, I'll post the show notes and I'll start posting uh, the addresses and stuff like that for uh, for the folks, uh, the providers of uh, long-term storable food and seeds and stuff like that as we go along. Uh, But like I said, you'll need to be thinking not just about yourself. You need to think about the caloric intake for for everybody who's going to be uh, in your group and then for the animals as well because they're not going to be able to eat your food and you can't starve them to death. Uh, and if you're going to eat your pets, then you'll need to eat them uh, before they start getting skinny, right? So you're going to need to think about food for your uh, food for your pet for your pets. Uh, I see one of the folks in chat here is talking about that they would have to eat uh, they would have to eat somebody's cats and then all the small game outside before they ate the dogs. Uh, I've eaten dog before. I don't have any problem with it other than I don't want to eat my dogs. So, uh, so I want to meet, I've got to figure out a way to, uh, to feed them. And what I'm doing is buying in bulk and then storing it. Now, uh, and once again, you're, you're not going to do that any different than you're going to do with the food for you. That is the, the food that you're storing in bulk for your animals are going to be you're going to be sending it back out in reverse the same way that that you're eating your uh, foods in a revolving cycle too. Uh, the 
as I buy food, as I buy new bags of food for the dogs, uh, they go into the container and get sealed up, and then I open up the oldest container and start feeding out of that container. And that's what that's how the the cycle works, all right? Uh, because there's no reason to uh, to have that food uh, continuously aging and losing its nutrients. You want to keep buying food and keep storing it, but you want to make sure that you're that you're eating out of your stock and, and that you're eating it in the in the correct way. That's why it's important to date uh, all the cans of stuff that you seal up. All right. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about uh, food again, and uh, we'll be talking about the storage. Uh, or we may we may have the seed folks come on, and don't worry, guys. We're going to get to uh, very soon. We're going to get to guns. We're going to get to. We're going to talk about uh, survival firearms, uh, and uh, you guys can be uh, getting your comments ready for that now because I know that that's. Uh, I'm I'm figuring that that's going to be one of the shows, and I'm not going to have a problem with getting folks to uh, to call in and. Uh, uh, and make comments and suggestions on. I don't see why you guys don't go ahead and uh, do a little bit of research on the, the food and seeds and stuff like that and call in and uh, and give me some of the uh, some of the comments that you have on uh, that. But we'll be getting to uh, uh, to survival firearms and security firearms and stuff like that pretty soon. We're going to finish going through food first, and then we're going to talk about energy because that's one of the uh, one of the legs of the survival of the five tenets of survival. You've got water, food, shelter, energy, security. So that's going to be one of the uh, the legs that we talk about, and energy is going to have to be discussed because you've got this food and stuff that uh, you've taken the time to. Uh, to store correctly and make sure you have enough of. But how are you going to cook it? What are you going to use to cook it? Because if you've got a year's worth of food but no way to cook it, then what good is it? Now, you could eat the dehydrated food just like we used to eat the lerps, but uh, but there's not going to be any way of getting around the fact that you're going to have to have energy. So that will be uh, in an upcoming show soon, too. All right. Uh, that's going to be it for tonight. Uh, I'd like to uh, thank you guys uh, for tuning in, and I want to make sure that you come back this next week, 7 p.m. Central, and uh, and we'll be talking about food again, all right? Until then, uh, take care, God bless, and uh, and we'll see you guys this next week.
Dragging who we meet, you call this liberty. 